the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That means we're closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's a good thing. For this, like the, what a, our first full week in last week because we only did four days last week. So this week just seems longer because of that. I guess just the way it works, it's the way it goes. I don't know about everybody else, but um, you know, I drive in here at about ten till five, and there's hardly anybody on the road. Then today, it's like everybody was on the road. What time do you get here? Talking to Heidi. I get here around 5.15. Okay. But, I get, but I'm here, but I live super close by. So. Oh, okay. So you don't see the expressways then? No, I do not have to get on the highways, thank goodness. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, there's a lot of cars out today. I don't know uh, if they're, you know, just people finally getting back from the 4th of July or what, but uh, there was a lot of cars out there. Of course, I was passing them all, but... <laughs> that's that's just me all right so i got here uh, i typically get here anytime between what about five fifteen and five forty five that's about the latest i'll get here it, it's five forty five when i decide to have an extra cup of coffee before i get behind the wheel of the car so i make sure i'm a- awake and that that's what usually that means then i woke up you know how you go to bed sometimes and you I, I sleep like a rock but sometimes you wake up in the morning and you don't feel rested and i don't get that i don't know what causes that maybe i need to get a, a sleep expert on one day to explain that to us because i know there's a lot of people that say the same thing man i slept well last night just not like i woke up during the night or anything like that but when i woke up i still felt tired and I don't know why you do that. So that may be a future topic that we got to do. Today, I want to talk a little bit to start off with the uh, the cancel culture. You know, I've been talking about them for years. I mean, I, we started a long time on this show, not, not even here in Little Rock, uh, back when I was in Indianapolis and in, in Florida, talking about some of the the things that were going on in our culture uh, and attacks on our culture that just kind of drove me crazy. It started with the food police. I re, I re, you know I remember clearly saying you know you gotta always take people at what they're saying. If if somebody is out there and they're making some statements that sound just absolutely crazy. I mean, nuts, like, uh, that, 
what's that person think they're you know saying you know they can't act you know actually believe that but the problem is they do believe it and give them enough time and they get to say it over and over and over and over and over and especially if somebody in the media uh, gives them a, ve- a vehicle to say it over and over and over again enough people will begin to believe it that change will be made i remember when uh, you know look i i knew smoking was bad for for, uh, for me when i started smoking i didn't start smoking until i was uh, in college and i smoked for 2 years and then i quit because i knew it was bad for me and uh for i, re- I remember when they had the first uh court case and uh people were saying yeah they they should be able to sue the tobacco companies because it made them sick and i went wait a second let's think about that for a moment person takes out uh, a cigarette out of a pack first time all right first time or they borrow it bum it from a friend and they light it up and they take a big drag off of it and what is the first thing they do is it you know, the smoke comes out, they blow smoke rings. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not that. It's <laughs> you're coughing your head off. Because why? Because your body says, hey, you shouldn't be smoking this stuff. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people that are out there have been smoking pot for a long, long time. And I'll hear them say things like, well, it won't bother me. You know, it's 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 a natural thing of the earth. Well, so is arsenic. <laughs> It'd kill you. I just amazes me. Well, now what we've had is we've had some people get a, um, you know, get their, uh, their peach box or their apple box or whatever, and they got on top of it. And they started saying stuff about, uh, well, you shouldn't be able to do that in a movie. You shouldn't be able to see that. You shouldn't be able to watch, a, you know, the Walt Disney song of the South, the um, the Uncle Remus tales. Oh no, shouldn't be able to see that. They they need to they need to censor that. And uh, and they did. I mean, it, if you if you want to get a copy of Song of the South by Disney, you're going to spend quite a bit of time on the Internet looking overseas for a copy of it. I happen to have a, a VHS of it. And uh, I happen to like the uh, Academy Award-winning best song from that movie, Zippity Doodah. It's a great, great song. It has nothing to do with race, has nothing to do with anything except finding, you know, a happiness every day. And it's it's a great song. But now a lot of people are never gonna even hear the song again because number one, you can't get the movie, and I think they pulled it off of iTunes the other day. Why? Because somebody said it upset them. And then because they said it other people jumped on board with them 
and they agreed with him. Yeah, I shouldn't be able to do that. Well, I've always made the point that if you're part of the cancel culture, if you're part of the the people who believe that uh, you should be able to literally just get rid of, you know, books, you should be able to get rid of songs, movies, because they offend you in some way, always remember you who are on that side, that the time comes when those types of people will come for you. Now, the cancel culture is not, it's typically a leftist type device, but it also can be used by the right. There is a movie, evidently, that's out being uh coming out i don't know if it's coming to theaters if it's just going to be on netflix or amazon or whatever but it's a blasphemous movie if you're a christian this is a blasphemous movie and um, somehow the jackson family is involved in it i don't know if i think maybe it's his daughter but they've they it's a it's a movie about jesus and it's blasphemous there's no truth to it they make fun of him Things of that nature. Look, Monty Python, Life of Brian, made fun of Christ. If people want to watch that movie, more power to them. I don't care. As I as I tell my kids when they ask me about what I think about stuff like that, I, I always say, you know, when you stand in front of God for the final judgment, are you going to have to answer for him or her? And the answer to that is no, you will not. They answer for themselves. Now, you may want to tell them, uh, you know, try to warn them that what they're doing could, you know, cause them problems uh, later on in the afterlife or whatnot, even in this life. However, it's not for you to live somebody else's life. It's for them to live their own life. Now, we try to, of course, educate people. We don't want people doing things just because they're ignorant of them, of, uh, of the repercussions that could happen. But just know that, uh, you know, people have to live their own lives. they got to make their own, their own decisions. It's not for me to say a movie should be censored and can't be seen. I, I just, I don't buy it. Don't, I, I believe the First Amendment's First Amendment. I believe in freedom of speech. And I, I understand the whole thing about shouting fire in a crowded movie theater. I understand that. But uh, just because something challenges what I believe is true, uh, I, I don't have problems with that. I really do not have problems with that. And if more of us, I think, had that type of a, of a feeling, we, we'd, be better, we'd be better off as a country. Well, a letter has now been written, in, in, but here is the problem with the counter, with the culture can, uh, you know, people. This, uh, these these canceled, uh, canceled culture people, you're not safe for whatever part of the political uh, spectrum you are. They will come after you. And a letter has, some, uh, has been written by... Uh, 
J.K. Rowling, Norm Chomsky, and others. And it's a letter that says that the cancel culture, now these are leftists, basically, that uh, the, the cancel culture has got to be stopped. John Sexton said this, quote, despite all the throat clearing about the right, it's really the popularity of this new cancel culture on the left that is the main target. The more the left tries to mainstream their ideas, the more people on the left split off and criticize them for doing so. The first wave of people rejecting it became the intellectual dark web. Now you have another larger wave of people, most of whom are progressives, who are expressing concern about the recent rise of the cancel culture. Ted Cruz made this statement. He says, signs of the apocalypse. Never in my life have I agreed with Norm Chomsky on, on anything till this. Tim Carney says, I kind of thought the Harper's letter was pointless then it instantly outed everyone who wants there to be a climate of fear. So it was a great service. And then J.K. Rowling said, I was very proud to sign this letter in defense of a foundational principle of a liberal society. And I'm going to tell you, it's a, it's a founding principle of our country. Open debate and freedom of thought and speech. And I'm all about that. So I'm, I'm finding it highly entertaining, Heidi. I'm finding this highly entertaining now. Did you hear who the cancel culture has now targeted? They are now targeting Hamilton. The, 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 uh, the musical. Because when there's no one left to eat, you start eating your own. That's the way it always works. Uh, Miranda responded by explaining all the criticisms. Now, this person who wrote Hamilton, listen how she she genuflects to the cancel culture. All the criticisms are valid. The sheer tonnage of complexities and failings of these people I couldn't get or wrestled with but cut. I took six years and fit as much as I could in a two-and-a-half-hour musical. Did my best. It's all fair game. You know, the, the whole part of this here is what she says. The sheer tonnage of the complexities and failings of the people. You got people who will not look at a subject and understand all the complexities. We talked about this, was it what, uh, Monday, I guess it was. And I was talking about the musical 1776. I know I got I to get a break, but I, I want to finish a thought here. 1776, and they do a half, about a half hour in that musical about the argument at the, uh, the signing of the Declaration of Independence for the independence of this country. And the South walked out because they had put in a, uh, a section about slavery being immoral and wasn't going to be allowed. And the South walked out, said, we will not vote for independence if that's there. Well, the, the whole reason for the declaration was to get independence, because without independence, the rest of the matters you were arguing about 
made no difference. So they struck it out. So they could get the votes of the South because they needed a unanimous vote. Because if they all didn't hang together, they would all hang separately. It's those things that nobody talks about anymore. Why was it that way? Well, it took us a long time, but we're to that point where we got rid of slavery. We'll talk more about this. I've got more I want to say about the cancel culture today because they're dangerous. When you think like that, you're dangerous. It's the Dave Ellswick Show here on 1011 FM. So how powerful is the cancel culture? Let me tell you how powerful they are. This was a letter that came out yesterday from Harper's. Overnight, two people wanted their names, who had signed it, wanted their names removed from it because they were getting evidently so much blowback on it. Uh, I do not endorse this Harper's letter. I am in contact with Harper's about a retraction. That's historian Carrie Grinridge. Uh, her name has since been taken off the letter. Who she is, I have no idea. Okay. Uh, Jennifer Finney Boylan, who is an author and trans activist, also expressed regret now for having signed the letter. Quote, I did not know who else had signed that letter, she said. I thought I was endorsing a well-meaning, if vague, message against Internet shaming. I did know that Chomsky, Steinem, and Atwood were in, and I thought, good company. The consequences are mine to bear. I am so sorry. Don't hate me. I mean, I added that part of it. Don't hate me. I signed this letter. Oh, my God. Uh, Boylan's tweet may have alluded to the inclusion of Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling, who has faced backlash over recent weeks. We've talked about this for remarks defending the concept of biological sex, which critics say are transphobic. And they say, if I don't believe in global warming, I'm the flat earther. Okay, Um, another signer, Vox journalist Matthew uh, Glacius, I guess is how he pronounced his name, was publicly shamed by one of his colleagues for including himself among the others on the letter. Quote, as a trans woman who very much values her position at Fox and the, in other words, I value my position because I get paid for it. And the support the publication has given her through the emotional and physical turmoil of transition, I was deeply saddened to see their signature on the Harper's Weekly Letter. Vox critic at large Emily Vanderwerf began her letter to the editors that she shared on Twitter. Matt is, of course, entitled to his own opinion. No, he's not. He's really not. That's the whole key of the cancel culture. You're not you're not okay to have your own opinion. Cuz you have if you have your opinion, you're they're going to shame the living crap out of you. They're going to attack you left and right. 
And I know he is more nuanced, uh, more nuanced thinker than signing the letter would suggest. He's never been anything but kind to me and has often supported my work publicly, all of which I am extremely grateful for. But the letter signed as it is by several prominent anti-trans voices and containing as many dog whistles uh, towards anti-trans positions as it includes, uh, ideally would not have been signed by anybody at Vox, much less one of the most prominent people at our publication. She said that, uh, told the editors that his signature on the letter makes me feel less safe at Vox. Less safe. Unbelievable. Less safe. Here's the news. I just got uh, a hit, a personal message from a folk, somebody saying, Dave, you do know who Norm Chomsky is and how notorious of a lefty he is. And yeah, sure, I understand that. But my point is this, even the most radical side of the left now is beginning to see how dangerous the cancel culture really is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now that, uh, you know, they've been chewing on the right for the many years they've been doing it, they've turned to start chewing on the left. I mean, they've gone after Hamilton, you know, the left darling musical. And, uh, you know, this is the musical, if you remember, when it was playing in broad, on Broadway. It's coming here to Little Rock uh, in the next uh, group of musicals uh, that they're going to be doing here. I won't be in the crowd, but that's all right. But uh, the, the bottom, you know, if you want to go see it, go see it. It's supposed to be good. But uh, the, the part of this is that these are the people that got up and, and, uh, and dressed down the vice president of the United States from the stage. Remember that one? Yeah, they did that. That's why I won't go see them because they've taken it from being just a musical and made it into something else. But the bottom line, they're getting attacked now. And the lady who, uh, the person who wrote this, because uh, I don't know if it's a, a lady or, you know, a guy or some transgender pe- person who thinks there's something. And uh, bottom line is, they said, yeah, see, there were so many complexities in it and all that. It, you know, there might have been stuff in there that made stuff people upset. Halle Berry now is in the uh, crosshairs. Now, one of the craziest things that I believe has happened now with the cancel culture and how uh, television, movies, music, and uh, the arts have responded to it has been the changes that they've made. For instance, The Simpsons, I think it was last week, made the announcement or the week before made the announcement that uh, you had to be the color of the person that you were voicing in the cartoon. In other words, a white guy couldn't do a black guy. Black guy can't do a white guy. Hispanic guy can't do black or white, I guess. Um, Asian guys can't do Hispanic, blacks, whites, or any. And no, nobody can do women unless you're a woman. 
and then it gets you know it gets more difficult uh, as far as that's concerned uh and so they want the cancel culture has said that the only you know that a straight person shouldn't play a transgender role and this is where Halle Berry came across on this and she got on the bad side of the uh, of the cancel culture let me read this to you here I got this story right here in front of me she's known as the trained assassin Sophia to John Wick fans but the Hollywood star says she, well I, I know her as Jinx from James Bond uh, but she she said she was misguided for thinking all acting roles should be open to professionals. Now, I always thought if you were an actor, the object of acting is just that. Taking on a role of something perhaps you've never understood and uh, finding the truth in that role and trying to bring it to the screen. Miss Berry issued a mea culpa on social media Monday night after days of backlash over a recent Instagram uh, post. Over the weekend, I had the opportunity to discuss my consideration of an upcoming role as a transgender man. And I'd like to apologize for those remarks, she said. As a cisgender woman, that means a straight woman. Make sure you use the right terminology here now. Yes, a cisgender. I now understand that I should not have have considered this role. And that the transgender community should undeniably have the opportunity to tell their own stories. In other words, you're not going to act. Uh, you, you know that you can't, you can't play a transgender person unless you're a transgender person. The move echo, echoes that of celebrity Pierce Scarlett Johansson, who dropped a transgender part for the script rub and tug in 2018 i am grateful that the guidance and critical conversation over the past few days and i'll continue to listen educate and learn from this mistake the 53 year old actress added i vow to be an ally in using my voice to promote better representation on screen both in front of and behind the camera. Now, Miss Barry's original rationale for considering the role was to, quote, understand that world of the transgender community. I want to dive deep in that in the way I did uh, for the upcoming film, Bruce. So now you can't play a transgender person unless you're a transgender person. You can't voice a, a cartoon character, and nobody knows what you are, all right? <laughs> you do a cartoon character, nobody sees you. You sit in front of a microphone, you voice the character. 
if you if if it's a black character, you happen to be the, a white person that they put in there because uh, your acting ability and your understanding of the character is is uh, what they want. The, the director, the makers of the of the show. If people find out that you're white and you're doing a black character, it's wrong. If you're a black character doing a white, you're wrong. This, you know, you know, this reminds me going back all the way to the '80s, and some of you will remember this. of Of children that were being adopted by uh, white couples, and they were adopting uh, children that were Asian, children that were African, children that were all types of of ethnicities and, and whatever you know colors and the black community got bent out of shape or a portion not the whole black community a portion and and i'm sure if they're still around they would relate to the cancel culture because they did not believe a white couple should be able to adopt a black child because they would disconnect the black child from their culture. Rather that the child stay an orphan than uh, be adopted by a white couple. Let me tell you what. There's so many children that need parents. If you're a great couple then the bottom line is this. You should be able to adopt a child. I don't care what color they are. And give them a chance. The people of the cancel culture, I know that my words will fall on a, on deaf ears because you don't believe I understand where you sit. And guess what? I do. I understand when you're told that you don't belong. I understand when people say you can't be part of this or part of that because you're this or you're that. I've been there. I think most of us have been there at times. We both and we all understand in small parts or big parts that pain. But what you are doing will not help things it will make it worse i will guarantee you that and we're starting to see it as i said now that you don't have people to bite on the on the right you've turned and you're attacking the people that aren't pure enough in your own group all right it's good break in we're looking at uh, about uh 15 minutes to seven here on the, uh, the Dave Ellis Show. Don't forget at 7 o'clock. Uh, Congressman uh, French Hill is going to be on with us. You don't want to miss that. And then at 7.35, Congressman Bruce Westerman is going to join us from the 4th District, and we'll talk to him. So we've got the congressional hour coming up in the 7 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But we need to get traffic and weather. Let's do that right now. Here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, let's finish up uh, this hour. We've only got a few minutes left. 
to talk. But I, I did want to spend time talking about the cancel culture because they're dangerous. Uh, they're dangerous. They're as dangerous as the Nazis were when they were doing their book burnings. I mean, the cancel culture, you know, they, they work that way as well. I, uh, I always, I question, you know, I, I don't think that there's, you know, I'm, when I say cancel culture, I'm talking about people who say, get rid of something. You can't even talk about it. You can't even get involved in it. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, you, you, you have a section of the library that you say, uh, children, um, under a, a certain age can't go in and, and, and read some of the books because it's adult uh, information, things of that nature. And that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that when you try to get rid of something, then you got a problem. For instance, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, the public library there got rid of Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer. They took those books out of the library because it uses the N-word in it. Well, the, the N-word is used in, a historic, in the historical context of the time. I remember it. Uh, I, I got upset when I was in high school because they took Salinger's, uh, what, catcher in their eye out. And the bottom line was, why? Because there was a word that uh, Salinger used that really upset some people. So they didn't think anybody. It upset them. And since it upset them, nobody else could see that word. Just saying. Just saying. I use that word when I talk about people that all they do is say, are, are talking and, and shooting shooting their mouth off and and uh, using a whole bunch of words that, uh, you know, politicians for the most part do this, and they, and they talk in circles. Blanche Lincoln was notoriously at it, but she was good at it. I give her credit. She was good at it. But she would talk. She could talk for 10 minutes and not say a word. I, use, I call that verbal masturbation. That's what I call it. And, and she was good at it, really good at it. Stayed in the Senate for a while because she was good at it. All right. Another story real quickly. Uh, Major League Baseball now has released their new schedule uh, for uh, baseball. They're going to uh, have a 60-game slate. And opening night is going to be July 23rd. It's going to feature the Yankees with uh, Garrett Cole on the mound visiting the Nationals. On the West Coast, the uh, L.A. Dodgers and their big off-season acquisition, Mookie Betts, will host the rival San Francisco Giants. Everybody else is in action by the next day. Teams play only their division rivals and teams in the corresponding geographic division in the other league. So if you're following the Yankees and the AL East, know that they're going to play the teams in the National League East uh, as far as uh, their schedule goes. West Coast, West Coast, you know, that's the way it works. 
One quirk of the 60-game schedule is that division foes will play 10 times each, but not necessarily five times in each city. For instance, the Yankees and Red Sox will play seven games in the Bronx, but just three in Boston. Uh, The uh, uh, designated hitter rule will be in the National League as well. And I thought I had heard that in extra inning games, they're going to start each inning off with a runner at second base. That was something that they had been talking about for quite some time. And evidently, with this 60-game season, they feel like, I guess, uh, that they can do it. And uh, so get ready for that. That's going to be a little bit different, to, uh, to say the least. Grandpa said something that a lot of people have been saying the last few days. Uh, this this grandpa, I believe, was in Chicago and uh, was talking about the death of a an 11-year-old child. Here's what he had to say about Black Lives Matter. Everybody just saying they're just tired, tired of the shootings in the community. Everybody's running around here thinking they're oozy-toting, dope-sucking, psychopathic killing machines, and they're just destroying lives. But we're protesting for months, uh, for weeks, saying Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. And Black Lives Matter, it seemed like only when a police officer shoot a black person. What about all the black-on-black crime that's happening in the community? A lot of people have been asking that question. And uh, crickets from the other side. All right. Not hearing anything from them at all. All right. So the next hour, when you come back with us, because we got news coming up here in about three minutes, uh, you're going to uh, hear Congressman French Hill. We're going to talk about the uh, PPP with him. We're going to talk about that with uh, Congressman Westerman as well, because he'll join us at 735. So we'll have the uh, con- uh, congressional folks from the uh, 2nd District and the 4th District with us uh, today in the 7 o'clock hour. Now, remember, 8 o'clock hour, uh, Joe's going to be here. We'll be talking cars, but we won't be doing it here at 101.1. That new show will start at 8 o'clock. But if you want to watch that segment, all you got to do is go to facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick show, and you can watch it live as it occurs. If you can't do that, then just tune in at, well, tonight, 7 o'clock, because it's Wednesday night. Tune in at 7 o'clock, and uh, I'll be on then with Joe, and you can uh, hear what he has to say as far as that can, is concerned. Every day during the uh, weekdays now, I'm on from 6 o'clock until 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'm live again from 8 till 9 on Facebook on the live show that we do or you can listen to the show tape delayed at 605 uh, in the evening except on wednesday 705 i know it's confusing and then uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that uh, the show can also be listened to on podcast and typically that's on by around 10 o'clock at the latest so if you want to hear that last hour early, just uh, go to 101.1 FM, theanswer.com, and uh, you can listen to the to the show uh, that way. I know it's asking a lot. I know that it's confusing. I know that 
it's all over the place, but it is the way it is. And uh, all you got to do is do one of those three things and you can be in touch with the final hour of the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. So you'll want to keep uh, that in mind. All right, so news is coming up. And uh, see where the stock market is at. They haven't made up their mind where they're, they're going to go today, whether you're going positive or negative. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that part of the problem uh, is that you, you got a situation where uh, everybody's still all set on COVID-19. I don't think that's what's driving the market right now. I think what's driving the market over the last few days is what is President Trump going to do about China? You know, is he going to cancel the phase one uh, trade deal? I mean, that was a big deal. There's a lot of money uh, involved in that. However, if you go and look at what China's doing with that uh, phase one, they're not living up to what they said they would do. All right, more coming your way after the news. We'll have Congressman French Hill. into the seven o'clock hour of a wednesday hump day middle weekday over the hill day closer to friday than we were on monday and we welcome congressman french hill congressman how you doing today good morning dave hope you had a great fourth of i did i had a fantastic fourth of july and didn't have anything to do with fireworks but it sure did with brats (laughs) it was good man it was really we good. We had some uh, we had some fabulous smoked pork rear end that was Ooh. spectacular, and uh, it was just great to be outside. Cool breeze, a beautiful night. All right, I want to talk right off the bat with you about the uh, the port, uh, the Delta yeah. Regional Authority announcing a two million dollar investment to support transportation infrastructure improvements at the port of Little Rock. There's a couple of stories that go along with this. Uh, uh, earlier, or I guess it was late last year, we talked about the Czech gun manufacturer that was going to locate over by the port and bring about 600 jobs with them over the next five years or so. And I just saw a story yesterday said Amazon is going to build another uh, facility, and this one's going to be in the port, and it's going to, uh, I guess you're going to hire a 1,000 people. Is that right? Yeah, this is uh, a big deal, and we want to make sure that uh, everybody understands Little Rock is still focused on business and growing. As a former chairman at the chamber here, I couldn't be more proud of Jay Cheshire at the chamber, uh, Barry Hyde, our county judge, and uh, Chris Caldwell, the Delta Regional Authority, for putting together a strategy, and they were short of funding. And that's where the congressional delegation came in. John Bozeman and Tom Cotton and I worked very hard to get that $2 million grant to fill the gap and what we've done there is we've gotten 
CZ USA, one of the world's best gun manufacturers uh, that's come uh, to Arkansas, and an Amazon facility that's going to employ over a thousand people. Uh, that's fifteen hundred new jobs in the port where we already employ. 4,000 people. And you'll love this because drive time is an important part of your life. Yep. You're (laughs) right about that. In the afternoon and in the morning now, those 4,000 people that work at the port of Little Rock come from 23 counties. Wow. It is a magnet for this area. It's a magnet for the economy, and it brings uh, income to those families from 23 counties. And so this is a big announcement. I know Uh, The news cycle is just overwhelmed by the impact of the horrible pandemic, and I get it, and it is horrible, but this is good news in our community. Oh, absolutely. I got excited yesterday when I saw that Amazon was building another facility, and they were going to hire 1,000 people, and I'm, I'm looking here at some information I got in front of me. The building for Amazon is expected to be four stories with each level being 800 and 50,000 square feet. That is a huge building. <laughs> Wrap your mind around that. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. Yeah, that'll be tremendous. This will be a major regional distribution uh, facility for them. And they're building a uh, an opening and end fulfillment center for the metro area out in southwest Little Rock on top of this big investment. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question about Six Hour because – I heard through the grapevine that they're buying the uh, the old uh, oh who is it that closed their big plant there in in the Conway area that made the toilet paper Kimberly oh, Clark uh, Kimberly Clark yeah. yeah I'm hearing Six Sour is buying that building and and they're planning on doing something with it and it has it doesn't have anything to do with ammunition which is going gangbusters in Jacksonville they're making millions of rounds. For the military, have you heard anything? Can you share anything? <laughs> I have not heard on that, but I can tell you that uh, both CZ and Six Hour are extremely happy with the reception they've had in Metro Little Rock. And I know uh, Jamie Gates and the team at the Conway Chamber have been terrific at showing locations to a lot of uh, businesses. So I hadn't heard that. That's news. You're going to have me. Uh, off working on that this morning that would be incredible <laughs> yeah it would and i want to because i'm wondering what they're going to yeah. do if they're not going to make ammo are they going to are they shifting uh something in their business to make uh, guns i'd be i'd be interested i really would be but we'll have to wait and see i guess that's you know companies tend to hold things close to their to their uh their suit coats until they are ready to announce <laughs> just the way it is all right so congratulations to you and to uh, Senators Bozeman and Cotton for making this happen. This is a big deal for Central Arkansas. And, and these, these jobs don't pay $9 an hour. These jobs pay good money. Exactly. And look, this is all a strategy that the port director, Brian Day, has been executing since he's been CEO out there. And there's just more good news to come out at the port. There you go, Brian Day. I remember Brian Day was Parks Department here. Yeah, exactly. Well, he is he is doing an outstanding job uh, in building uh, a port that we can be proud of for the next uh, sixty years. Yeah, he's a good man. He tries and he works hard. He really does. He works hard in parks. He works hard now at what he's doing. All right, let's talk about PPP. This is another positive. Uh, you were pushing that they needed to to. Uh, 
elongate that program. By that, I mean it should go longer uh, to help companies out. Uh, the House has agreed with your views on that. Uh, does it sound like the Senate's going to go along with it as well? Yeah, Marco Rubio has been a great leader on the PPP program. I consider him sort of the father of the legislation since it originated over in the Senate. And we've extended the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Loan uh, application date, to August 8th. And Rubio in the Senate and a group of us in the House are also all pushing for uh, changes to that program to make it even more uh, usable, I think, by small businesses. Darren Williams here at Southern Bank Corp. and I wrote an op-ed about that, which folks can find out on my website, about how we propose to change it. But, you know, as you see hotspots and you see outbreaks around the country, we have to live with the virus. The idea that the virus was going to be an 8- to 12-week thing uh, in the U.S. is, you know, not the case. And so we have to be realistic. And one of those items is to keep this PPP money, which Congress appropriated uh, four months ago, in place. There was about $130 billion in that program left at June 30th. And my view is we ought to make it continue to make it available. Uh, let's try to improve the, the terms. But there are going to be some small businesses that get into trouble uh, and need it now rather than in May. So that's why I think we should continue it. Yeah, well, I agree with you. It has been very popular with small businesses, and it is helping small businesses. I mean, I talk to a lot of small businessmen, as you can probably imagine, and they uh, they tell me if it hadn't been for that, they probably would not be here now, Congressman. Yeah, uh, 40,000 in small business owners in Arkansas benefited, and uh, we now have more flexibility with the number of weeks they can use the money. There's more flexibility in how they spend the money between payroll and in rent utilities. So I do think it's a really good alternative for someone facing the opening, closing challenges that we have due to the virus. Did you see the story yesterday from the CDC <laughs> that said that if the uh, mortality rate falls very much more uh, from the uh, uh, COVID-19 that we will be out of epidemic status here in the United States. Well, that's encouraging. And look, that's what, you know, I'm not going to practice doctor. The TV is filled every night with people who are practicing medicine. <laughs> it's <laughs> I get the truth. tired of it. All these people think they know what's going to happen and know this and know that. But the one thing we do see is that we have so many infections now in the country, we're beginning to see the real statistics, and the Mm -hmm. testing helps, too. And between the the mass testing across the country and the infections, we're seeing the true uh, impact of this. So uh, uh, Scott Gottlieb, the former FDA uh, leader, uh, was on a call I was participated in last week, and he said he thinks by fall – that the country could have essentially achieved herd immunity based on those infection rates. So my message to everybody is, look, wear a mask, wash your hands, be careful in big groups. Don't go hang out face-to-face with a big group of people you don't know in a bar at 2 o'clock in the morning. Seriously. I agree. Because it's still a really uh, uh, easily spread virus. And we don't want to clog up our health care system trying to take care of people who don't practice these common sense procedures. And we'll get through it. And so we want our economy back, and we know we have to get our kids back in school, and we know we have to live with this virus. And that's a small price to pay. Come on. 
this is nothing compared to some of the challenges America's been through in the past. I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying there. I got to just tell you, yesterday we spent in the first hour about 30 minutes. Uh, I have a friend that's a very good mathematician, and uh, he grafted out a lot of different things for me. And death to case index ratios, average mm-hmm. deaths per day, per week, and all of that. And we showed everybody, yeah, you know, your mind says when you hear more and more people are getting infected that that means more and more people are dying. It's not that type of thing. It's it's right. just the opposite, in fact. The more people we know are infected, the more we're seeing that the mortality rate is right around 2%. In fact, less than that, which is almost the same as with regular flu, and that's with having a vaccine available. Yeah, Gottlieb uh, thinks that's right. He's really studied these numbers, and uh, he believes that ultimately you'll find a much, much lower death rate uh, and that uh, those shocking numbers that we were shared with uh, back in March due to the University of Washington projections and all this, you know, they never had a denominator, right? They never had the total population infected and the total results, and I don't blame them. No. It's a novel. It's a novel coronavirus, meaning brand new. But they, uh, I think, stampeded our country into taking two or three decisions that we might have done differently if we knew in March what we know today. I so that's why we agree. just have to live with this. Live with this virus. All right, let's come back. We got a few more things to talk about. Let's do that. We've got Congressman, uh, of course, French Hill on with us. He'll be with us to the bottom of the hour. Coming up in the next half hour, Congressman uh, Westerman will join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, don't forget about PI Roofing. They'll take care of your roof. They can take care of fixing uh, the you know problems you've had because you have a leak. As far as the uh, drywall that needs replaced, the mold that needs to be taken out, they can do that for you as well. And they can do it by uh, not taking away your social distancing or anything like that. PI Roofing understands this is a special time. Uh, They have special ways of doing things so that everybody stays healthy uh, in your family and in their work family as well. All you have to do is give them a call. And uh, 501-707-3551 is their local number, and you can go online to piroofing.com. Joel and his wife, Veronica, stand ready to go uh, to your homes and uh, to be your roof leak detectives and to fix the problems that you may be experiencing. That's P.I. Roofing, 501-707-3551, or... Just visit them on the web at piroofing.com. I've used them. A lot of my friends have used them. A lot of listeners have used them. Just tell you, I have not heard one person who did not appreciate their professionalism. That's P.I. Roofing. All right, back with the congressman, Congressman French Hill, with us for about another five minutes here. Let's talk... uh, about what's happened in Seattle, what's happened in Atlanta, what's happened in New York City. Uh, These groups taking over small areas within the cities and all of the killings that have happened now. Uh, I'm really concerned, uh, for instance, in Atlanta, the mayor 
who talks about the problem with that killing there, says we and us when she talks about Black Lives Matter. And, I mean, she went out and, and, and marched with them. Evidently, she is uh, hand-in-hand with them. The, that's, that's scary kind of stuff, Congressman. Well, our leaders have a responsibility to keep our communities safe. That's one of their principal responsibilities. And they don't side with violence and they don't side with anarchy and they don't side with uh, uh, private property destruction. That's not what leaders do. So I can't uh, condone that kind of behavior. We've got 75 cities uh, that are erupted in protests over the last month. And people who want to protest uh, within the law under their freedom of assembly and freedom of speech to call for equal justice under the law, that's a great American tradition, and I support it, and I think it's terrific. But when you destroy private property and you violate curfews and it breaks into mayhem, looting, and now a rash of shootings and murders that have expanded way beyond the murder capital of the world, like uh, Chicago, to other countries. Uh, it's it's shocking, and that certainly should inform voters that uh, we want law and order in our country. We want a culture of life in this country, not a culture of death. And defunding the police is not a strategy. No. It doesn't seem that it's a strategy except for uh, the most radical elements within uh, the House of Representatives at this time. How how much real uh, swing does people like AOC and, and the others have uh, with Pelosi? I mean, have they really been able to push her that far that she agrees with what they're doing? I think they can. They can push her in uh, three ways. Uh, First of all, there's a large progressive caucus. They can routinely get um, uh, votes, certainly in the 50 to 60 range in the House, uh, which is a a significant number of votes. Secondly, AOC and the radicals like Tlaib and Omar are running candidates with the backing of Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders funders running candidates against the Pelosi committee chairman. And the Pelosi leaders, including, now think about this irony politically, including major leaders in the Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, so uh, the third way, though, they gain power is when that progressive uh, left radical group, the AOC, Tlaib, Presley, Omar group, links with the Congressional Black Caucus on a policy idea in the House of Representatives. Then they have uh, almost uh, you know, the ability to get a majority vote in the uh, Democratic side of the aisle. So they have sway over Nancy Pelosi. Do not be uh, fooled by that. And they have pressed her into fighting border security. They have pressed her into impeachment. They have pressed her into a fight over the National Defense Authorization Bill. And now they've pressed her on uh, defunding the police uh, elements. Yeah, Congressman, you talk to other congressional people from all over the United States. I can't believe that the American public generally is is happy with what's going on in this country, uh, and it's being perpetuated, uh, you know, by the Democratic Party and their progressive wing. 
I don't see the uh, election that's coming up in November. I, I think I think the American people may may strike back at at the left. What do you think? Well, I certainly hope uh, that that's the case, and I really think that it's people need to understand this is not just a decision between uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump at the top uh, to lead our our country. It's more than that. It's choosing between a culture of life and a culture of death, uh, religious freedom versus religious oppression, prosperity and free market capitalism or poverty, um, socialism. I mean, it's a and, and perhaps even law and order versus anarchy. So there are major societal trends in our our country and i think voters really need to understand that as they assess who they want to vote for for president of the united states i'm with you i appreciate your time thanks a lot congressman best wishes have a great day see you soon all right bye-bye bruce westerman congressman bruce westerman coming up after uh our break here at the bottom of the hour and uh, we'll talk about some of these exact same issues and others uh with him because many of the issues we just talked about are issues that affect everybody uh, here in the state of Arkansas, no matter where you happen to to live at. All right, we've got uh, seven twenty nine, and we got about thirty seconds. And Rush will be with us, and then uh, we'll have a break, and then I'll be back uh, coming up at eight o'clock. Joe will be here now. Eight o'clock will be the new show, the new financial show that we got. That will be live on one zero one one. However, you can watch the show on Facebook.com or listen to it later this evening at 6 o'clock when it's rebroadcast. But right now, let's get to Rush. $287,619. I've mentioned that number to you several times over the last few weeks. What would you do with $287,619 in retirement? Probably a lot. Well, that's how much a Little Rock couple could save in taxes with their IRA and 401k. That's thanks to the tax planning strategies from David Lucas Financial right here in Little Rock. Learn exactly how much money you could save with a free retirement tax analysis. All you got to do is be one of the first 10 callers if you've saved more than $250,000 to schedule your free analysis uh, at 501-223-3315. Do you have an IRA or a 401k? Well, learn how much money in taxes you could save by calling 501 222 3315. That number one more time, 501 222 Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. All right, let's get back to the show. We've got Congressman Bruce Westerman on with us. And Congressman, thanks for joining us today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, good morning, Dave. Great to be with you. Good to have you. Been? I'm doing good. Did you have a good Fourth of July? Yeah, I uh, pretty low key Fourth of July. My wife had a list of uh, projects for me to work <laughs> on, and I, I got most of those done. Yeah, you come back home, and uh, there's the honey to do list is ready to go, isn't it? Yeah, and she's uh, she's keeping it up up to date. <laughs> Uh, pretty well. I mean, I, I have have not had a a moment where I haven't had something that I could be doing. 
Yeah, that's great. Uh, l- let's start off by talking a little bit about COVID-19. The big uh, topic now is do we open the schools back up on time? Uh, where are you falling on this? What are you hearing uh, from the experts? Well, I mean, you're getting getting mixed messages out there. I think it, that Harvard announced yesterday they were going all online classes. Um, but for the most part, I think most people want to see schools open back up. And, uh, you know, I've got a, uh, two college students, a high school student, and my wife's a teacher. So that's something that we follow pretty closely on what's going to happen this fall with, with classes. And, uh, you know, I think for a lot of different reasons, we need to get the schools open back up and get get students there. But we've you've still got to maintain that balance between it's kind of like balancing health and economy. You've got to balance health and, and education at the same time. I mean, we're not in the same position we were when the, the, the novel COVID-19 first showed up. We, we know more about this virus. Uh, I've, I've read articles that said that we're starting to, to get closer and closer to herd, uh, you know, people having enough people having this virus that it's not going to be as uh, dangerous as it has been in the past i mean what are all the things that go into the consideration i mean this is going to be more of a state decision isn't it than a than a national decision yeah it'll be state and and local that makes the decision on that but you know talking about the herd immunity i was on a call with dr gottlieb i think it was last week and uh I'm not sure I caught everything exactly like he said it, but it was something along the lines that at the pace we're going, we could have, uh, you know, 40 to 50 percent exposure by the end of the year. And uh, he was making an argument that we've basically got herd immunity when we get that. And the necessity even for a a vaccine is not nearly as great uh, when we get to that. And, you know, Dave, there's a lot of different ways that you see data presented, uh, especially on the on the pandemic. But the state of Florida puts out a chart that I think uh, tells a story a lot better than what I've seen from a lot of other places. But they show the the total number of cases by age band. Uh huh. And then they show that the total number of hospitalizations by age band. And then they show the total number of deaths by age band. And. You know, most of the cases are in younger people. Uh, most of the hospitalizations are from, like, middle-aged to older people, and the deaths are all with with older people. So we ought to be able to use that information to know, you know, obviously if you're older or have pre-existing health conditions, we've known for a long time you're more vulnerable uh, to the coronavirus. Uh, if you're younger and you, you get it, you're... Um, you could get sick, but unless you've got pre-existing health conditions, you're probably going to be okay. So I think we've got to start taking that kind of data into account when we make these decisions because there's um, when you shut everything down and and people are quarantined, you have other health concerns that, that arise because of that. Uh, you know, I had a colleague in Congress who's, whose wife passed away at, I think, 39 years old, just a few weeks ago, and she had been scheduled to have a, a procedure uh, that she couldn't have because of the pandemic. So there's there's real consequences to um, 
to the other side of uh, you know the quarantine. Well, yeah, a lot of people aren't going into the hospital to have their colonoscopies and things of that nature. And if you catch those diseases early, your chances of survival are very, 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 very good. Catch them too late, not so good. And so, you know, people need to go in and have those tests done. But they're afraid to go to the hospitals at times. And some of the hospitals, those are all shut down right now. Right. And, uh, you know, you do have a higher chance of infection in a hospital. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it all comes down to there's there's risk and rewards if you want to look at it that way. There's, uh, uh, you know, quarantining doesn't – it may, may help solve one problem, but it also creates other problems. Well, let's talk about uh, the, the country and the economy. The economy seems to – uh, be trying to fire off on all eight cylinders, although I believe some states are holding back uh, getting their economies going. Uh, New York has started to get theirs going. You've got California, who continues to hold people under their thumb. Uh, but the economy as a whole seems to be fairly healthy. Um, how do you see it? Well, the economy obviously was going great guns before the the pandemic, yes. and we we had a self imposed recession essentially by uh, the, the measures that were taken. So I think the underlying strength of the economy is still there. It's just getting it started back up and and moving again. And you're you're exactly right on the uh, you know the gloom and doom predictions at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, we're seeing that the, the economy didn't take quite as big a hit as as we thought it would although it i mean it don't get me wrong it took a massive blow but when you start looking at the uh, you know in arkansas what they early on projected to be the uh, the tax revenues far exceeded uh on the positive side what their their early projections were you're seeing that with a lot of um counties and cities as well but the uh, uh I mean, you've even seen some counties and cities that have more um, tax revenue than they had this time last year. You know, I, I live in Hot Springs, which is a tourist town. Right. So obviously, that that got hit harder than um, a lot of other places. Well, but we're we're recovering from it. I I heard one person talk about we lost less. They said that how many jobs were we going to lose, and we. Seven and a half million less jobs were lost than they thought. And then in the last two months, we've added seven and a half million jobs. That's a positive of 15 million jobs. That's good news. Yeah, you're seeing uh, seeing the jobs come back quickly, which, you know, as, as long as people are actually working towards that goal of, of getting the economy to come back, I think they will uh, come back quickly. But uh, you know, I work with some folks in Congress who I don't, uh, I don't believe are all that excited about the economy coming back very strong. At least not before uh, November. Um, and you've you've always got that to deal with. This is kind of, uh, unfortunately, it's created a situation for the the socialists to move their agenda and uh, and want to push for those crazy things that they had been pushing for before and in case in point you know, we passed the highway surface transportation bill i say we 
the Democrats passed the Highway Surface Transportation Bill. I was going to say the Democrats bill. passed that. I know they didn't get your vote. No, and it was uh, it was more of a a handout to public transportation, and uh, the Green New Deal had a lot more to do with that than than anything to do with uh, surface transportation in our country, which is very unfortunate because. Uh, you know, that's been one of the bills that has always been bipartisan because, you know, it affects Republicans and Democrats alike. Mm-hmm. So um, usually you could get bipartisan support on it. But, I mean, they just a couple of days before we marked it up, uh, Pelosi filed this massive bill that had zero Republican input. We spent 23 hours uh, marking it up. Uh, most Republicans were there in person, and we were having to deal with all the Democrats working from their bedrooms and their basement on the on the webinar displayed on the the big screen. It was one of the it was a very frustrating experience. But uh, then they they passed it with a lot of proxy votes. You know, they're calling in their votes, and uh, at the end of the day, it was a bad bill that's going nowhere in the Senate. And the president said he would. Uh, veto it and it, it didn't have to be that way but that's the world we're in right now all right we're with uh congressman bruce westerman from the fourth district he's going to come back after this break we're going to finish up i want to talk about ppp with you the house did some great things with that uh they've extended the program and that's a good thing it's helped a lot of businesses here in arkansas let's talk about that some when we come back here on the dave ellswick show All right, we continue with our uh, time with uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman. And Congressman Westerman, let's talk about the uh, PPP. Uh, The House did a good thing. They extended this program uh, from what we understand uh, here at this show. About 40,000 businesses have been helped here in Arkansas. Yeah, uh, the last update I got, Dave, I believe it was over three and a half billion dollars that had come into the state through the paycheck protection program. And I've heard a lot of, um, a lot of good success stories from that program. And I think that's one reason that we're seeing uh, people be able to, to get back to work and the unemployment numbers not uh, getting as high as uh, was feared they would get. And hopefully the timing's going to be right that, that private business can, uh, pick back up where they where they left off before the pandemic hit. Now, something that is going to also happen is at the end of this month, the enhanced unemployment benefits are going to end uh, here in the country where uh, people who are unemployed were getting additional dollars because they were out of work, but they were also getting 100% of what uh, they had been being paid in their jobs. Uh what is Congress talking about? We've been hearing word out there that they're looking at a phase four. Uh, hopefully it will not include, you know, like $600 extra a week because let's face it, most businesses in, in Arkansas can't make up $600 a week from the federal government to unemployed workers. Yeah, and that's been one of the biggest uh, points of contention with the CARES Act is the fact that, um, you know, if you look in my district, the median household income is somewhere around $45,000 per year. And if 
you were laid off and getting you know four hundred uh, plus dollars from the state and six hundred from the federal government per week, then you're at a, over a thousand dollars a week for over fifty two thousand dollars a year. So the math isn't too hard nope. to see how that creates a disincentive for people to to go back to work. Now, uh, the Democrats have a proposal to uh, to keep that six hundred dollars per week unemployment in place. Uh, through, I believe, March or June of next year. It's so ridiculous. I honestly don't remember which month it is, but I know it goes into into next year. And then you've got your AOCs and, and Talibs and Presleys in the, uh, if, if you can imagine, a far left of the Democratic Party who think that should just be something that's permanent, that yeah. everyone should be guaranteed a uh, and income. So you're, like I said, you're seeing the socialists try to push their agenda. Um, and for the life of me, I can't figure out if they're just uneducated or if they have something in for our country because uh, what they're talking about is not going to be good for our country in the long run. So, Bruce, you I, you know, you talk to a lot of people from across the country. I mean, you're talking to other congressmen, people like that. Do they tell you that the average American is looking at some of this stuff that's being, you know, said, well, we need to do this and we need to do that and, and, and just give people money and we no problem. Let the people be lawless and take over pe- pe- you know, places and cities and stuff. Are the American people as a whole starting to get sick and tired of this stuff? I, I really hope so. Uh, I think people looked at it kind of as a, as a novelty when AOC came on the scene and, and uh squad or whatever they call them. And, and just, you know, kind of laughed thinking, how can, how can they be in Congress? How can they think like that and be in Congress? But there's actually a, a movement out there that's being fueled by those in the media and, and these left-wing organizations that are trying to make this, you know, part of the mainstream culture to to give it even give it serious consideration to me is is atrocious but that's the world we live in and that's why it's so important that um that we have people in congress that understand how our country was founded um you know the economic principles the uh the principles of of freedom and liberty and, and all those things uh, because there's a, a group that apparently doesn't get that or or worse than that thinks it's, it's bad. i got to ask, I've heard that there's members now in the, uh, in the House that are threatening to uphold the appropriations bills uh, unless you guys get rid of all the statuary that they don't agree with. Is that true? Oh, yeah. yeah. And they've done that before. Uh, you've put you've heard the term poison pill. They'll come in and put an amendment in. And, uh, and it's just it's nasty politics is what it really is. And, you know, we've had uh, a lot of discussion lately about um, police reforms and, and proactive things that can be done. And uh, there needs to be talk about some of those things. But the the leftists have taken it to a whole nother level. They want to go back and totally rewrite history. They want to, you know, do away with all statues. Uh, you know, they start tearing down George Washington and Thomas Jefferson statues. Uh, this isn't about 
racism or about uh, the police. It's now become uh, an opportunity again for the leftists and the socialists to come in and interject their their thoughts and principles and to uh, you know try to push something somewhere that it shouldn't go. Well, you know, one of the uh, monuments that they're talking about they want removed is former Arkansas governor and Senator James Clark, who they said held serious racist views in his day. And because of that, uh, you know, he should be removed from uh, the hall, you know, the, the, the statuary hall there in in the uh, in the Congress. Well, he's on his way out anyhow, because the legislature voted to re- to replace the two statues so uh, uh he's he's he, clark and rose who i guess founded the rose law firm they're mm-hmm. both uh days are numbered whenever johnny cash and uh, daisy bates uh statues get made to, to go into the u.s capitol now that's a good thing that's two that's two good statues although i'm sure they'll find something wrong with johnny cash along the way i'm just telling you they always find something wrong all right congressman i'll let well, you get, and that's a, yeah go ahead yeah i was just gonna say that's the problem when you start having the the free speech police and the uh, uh you know who's who's going to be the arbitrator who uh-huh. gets to determine what's okay and what's not and you look at um, socialist governments and they have those things and and it's the people that end up losing it's the people that lose their voice it's those in control that uh, end up gaining so in this quest to say we're going to have a more equal society you uh, create a, a huge disparity between people's rights and freedoms when you go down that road now Bruce that, that you know that tells me that Orwell was right in 1984 that those who control the present control the past, and those who control the past control the future. And we better start paying attention to that. Amen. All right. Good to be with you, Dave. All right. You have a great day. Talk to you later, Congressman. Congressman Bruce Westerman here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Let me explain what's going to happen now. All right. Joe is coming in uh, to answer questions from Joe's Garage. However, if you want to watch that or hear that right now, you got to go to Facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show, and that will be broadcasting live as it happens. Uh, A new show that we have that's a financial show is going to be coming on. If you'd rather wait until this evening and hear it, well, it'll be on this evening at 7. It'll come on. Or you can go to the podcast at 101.1 FM, The Answer, and listen to it at about 10 o'clock. So keep that all in mind. But Joe is going to be here. You just got to pick the time that you want to hear it. That's coming up next on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's get into uh, this third hour of the show. 
Uh, on, uh, of course, 101.1 FM, the answer, you're listening to it in a tape-delayed basis if you're listening on 101.1 FM, the answer. If you're wa- listening on the uh, uh, podcast, you're just you're hearing it whenever you're listening to it, uh, and we recorded it. And if you're on uh, Facebook right now, you're watching us record it for later on, but you're seeing it as it happens on Facebook, facebook.com, Dave Ellswick Show. That's all you got to do. Bunch of ways to listen to the show anymore. It's Absolutely. Always, has always been that way. It's just that now it's a, a little bit more uh, convoluted, but you can listen. Uh, nor, during this time live at 8 o'clock, there's a new show on, and uh, it's on there doing its its thing at the 8 o'clock hour, so on the radio you hear us later or you can watch us as we're doing it uh on facebook or you can listen on the podcast whenever uh you want to listen to it after about 10 a.m it's there how you doing joe i'm doing good dave you had a good fourth of july yes sir sure did what did you what you eat uh brisket no you made brisket did yep. you make it in your uh, special uh, uh cooker I I use my electric smoker. Oh, you use the electric yeah. smoker. Yep. Can you make brisket in the uh, the, the barbecue thing yeah, that we you're got? Yeah, talking about the Orion. Yes. Yeah, the Orion. Yeah. Have you done it before? Yes, I've cooked just about everything in there: chickens, <laughs> turkeys, uh, ribs, brisket. That thing's great, man. It I know really it is. Yeah. I I I have not found a better way to make ribs than the Orion. That and and, and it's so quick too. Yeah. Yeah, you're looking at about what hour and a half, hour and forty five minutes max. Yeah, generally, uh, you put uh, with it as hot as it is outside, probably an hour and ten minutes, something like that. Wow. Yeah. Very close. Very yeah. fast. Yep. And they are. You like them to fall off the bone? They'll do it. They. I have yet to cook. Uh, uh you know, several racks. I'll, I'll put like three of them in there. Mm-hmm. I've been. I, at least one of them tears loose and falls to the bottom yeah you know but that's not into the coals the coals the orion's different look it up on facebook all right mm-hmm. it's different the, the coals are on the outside of it and i'm just telling you it, joe was the first one to you know show me this in fact he gave me one and it's fantastic it yeah, is it the is. best way to cook ribs i'm just telling you it's awesome i, I kind of got that that tip from uh uh Dennis Williams owns Williams Auto Repair out yeah. of East End. Yeah. Yeah, you remember Dennis. I remember Dennis yeah. really well. Yeah. So he said, yeah, you got to try yeah, this. That's it. If you like barbecue, you'll like the Orion. You really will. Absolutely. You really, really will like that. I will let you know you can't buy just regular charcoal. It's that self-lighting kind of charcoal you got to buy. Everything is a time cook in that, and, and you have to use the uh, match light. Yeah, and it works. I'm just, it works great. Mm-hmm. All right. You give it a try. You'll like it. It's not all that expensive either. All right. So, what are some of the big things that have been uh, uh, hitting Joe's garage here this last week? Air conditioning, air conditioning, and air conditioning. <laughs> what a big surprise! Yeah. It's been hot, and it has <laughs> not only hot; it has been immensely humid. Absolutely, and you know, when it gets hot outside, uh, if if the AC refrigerant level is a little bit low, you're not going to get the higher the ambient temperature outside the the least amount of cooling you're going to have so it's it's the best thing to do is get them in and get them serviced because that's how that air compressor stays alive is by the 
Freon carries the oil that keeps the uh, compressor lubricated, and if they're moderately low, it's hard on the air compressor. It's working as hard as it can, and then it's not getting the oil that it needs to keep it alive. So you could actually cause yourself to have a compressor failure if it's moderately low. All right. Let's tell everybody the big – it's not really a secret anymore. It was a few years ago. But I'll just say it, it, it's, a, it's a secret in the thing that a lot of people still don't seem to understand, that using the button that recirculates the yeah. air in your car is very important to keeping your car cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, the recirculate button, basically, when, when, it's, when you have it turned off, it's pulling in ambient air from outside and trying to cool it. But, and you'll notice it because you'll feel the, the humidity that's in correct. that air. Yeah. And if you turn the uh, recirculate door and close it where it's recirculating the air inside your vehicle, it would be like the air conditioner at your house. But with that door open, it would be like trying to air condition your house with the front door open. Yeah, it's, it's, really, you know, it's really crazy because, you know, I've, I've done – I've you told me that, and I went and had to try it, you know, yeah. and just open and close it and, yeah. and the whole nine yards. Yeah. But – when you talk, for instance, at my house, uh, the air conditioner I have, it goes into a a dehumidifying mm-hmm. setup where it doesn't turn on the compressor. It just continues to pull out the humidity. And I'll have my air conditioner set at 78 degrees, but it would be 74 degrees in my house. Well, anytime you dehumidify the air... The less moisture it has in it, the more comfortable you are. You know, like if you if you had your recirculate turned off and it's pulling in that high humidity, um, you you don't necessarily have to have the vent temp blowing like thirty five degrees. It can be blowing forty five degrees or fifty degrees, fifty five. But if the air is dehumidified and it's dry air, when that cool air blows on you, it keeps you comfortable. But if that air comes out with high humidity, being cold. Like, remember the old swamp coolers? I was just going to bring up the swamp cooler. Same thing. It would blow cold air, but you never got cooled off because it was blowing out high humidity air that was cooler. Not yeah. to mention you start growing things on your wall. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that happened as well. But, yeah, just think of it this way. You're out and you're, let's say you're playing a game, and you start sweating alike mm-hmm. a lot. The way you cool off is the air blows across your body and the sweat cools your body down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with air conditioning, that's basically what has happened for you. But the dry air is Correct. what's blowing on you. Yeah, that, uh, you know, is dehumidified air. If you put it on recirculate, it's going gonna, it's gonna to drop the humidity in the vehicle. Makes a big difference. Down a whole bunch. And that's what you see dripping out from underneath it with it running. Yeah. That condensate water. It's pulling the humidity out of the air and letting it drip out underneath the car. So that's what you're seeing. i got to tell you what, I don't know about anybody else, but mine does a really good job of that because when I come into my house and I pull (laughs) up to go into my garage, I can see a trail of water coming Mm -hmm. from the street. Yep. And it's it's You shut it off and it'll drip for, may drip for 30 minutes before it completely comes out of there. Pretty amazing. Yep. Pretty amazing. Whoever thought that up, pretty smart person. Well, the guy that invented air conditioning, yeah, he was. Yeah, and I hope that he had the patent. I'm sure he did. (laughs) For a while, anyway. Yeah, made some money off of it, to be sure, as far as that. So what's the big problem that people, I know, you know, if you're losing uh, the uh, coolant, 
know that that means you have a leak. You just got to know there's a problem with your system. If the refrigerant level is low, there is a 99.9% chance it's leaking. You don't use it up. You don't wear it out. It has to be contained. And sometimes you can have slow leaks, but to determine where these leaks are, when we recharge it, we'll evacuate it and charge it back with the proper amount. And, you know, most shops and like the Bumper to Bumper Certified Service Center, if it holds two pounds and it's one and a half pounds in there when we uh, service it and put the Freon back in, you only charge for what it was low. Right. Because it goes to a recovery machine and, and we add oil and dye to the system. And the dye is the trick because it may take it six months to leak down again. It may take it six days, six weeks. We don't know. So when we put the dye in there, when it starts blowing cool again and not cold you come back we'll put ultraviolet light on and we can determine where that leak is and make a repair for the leak and you can find it that's correct because it can be really really tiny that's correct sometimes we see folks that only come in like every year or so and they say i don't care about the leak just put me a half a pound in there and i'll be back next year so okay that's their call now with the new freon that's coming out the r1234yf they're probably not going to want to do that it's expensive. You bet you. We sell it by the ounce. Yeah, it's expensive. It's about $10 an ounce. Wow. So if you had a, a, a vehicle that held one pound, that's 16 ounces. The refrigerant alone is $160 plus the labor plus and another hundred and so dollars. So you would spend 200 where today is about $130, to recharge one on average. Mm-hmm. On one of them, it's going to be somewhere in the 250, 260 range. And if you think that's bad for you, think about it from Joe's perspective, because he's got to have that particular uh, coolant sitting in his shop ready to be used. And, you know, how how much do you keep in storage? Uh, right now we have a 10-pound bottle. It's about half full. Oh, my God. That 10-pound bottle, though, cost me about $800. 10 pounds yeah it's amazing mm-hmm. that's really amazing but he, he's got to have it because when you come in yeah you don't want to have to wait a couple of days while he, he waits to co- have it come in so he can charge your car yeah we can't do that and you can't buy it in small bottles or cans it, it has to be bought in in bulk amount so <clears throat> plus we have you know set of gauges and a recovery machine and all that and, and the average recovery machine is about seven eight thousand dollars buy one now how did that did that change completely when they came with the new freon did you have have a brand new machine different machine yep so now you got to have more than one machine is what you're telling me yeah uh, you have to have a r134a machine now (coughs) excuse me some of the machines are dual they'll do either one okay but if you already have a 134a you're going to keep that machine and use it and buy the new one two three four yf machine that's what i've done so okay just know if you wonder why you know repairs go up that's why (laughs) repairs go up well you know the average car before and they say that the amount of freon that's in cars is astronomical and the one three one two three four yf when it goes if it leaks out and goes in the atmosphere it only lasts a few days that r one our 134A lasts for 17 or 18 months in the atmosphere before it's completely broke down and, okay. and gone. So that's the deal on that. That's why they're changing it. And uh, 1234YF, is uh, it's got uh, propane in it. It's propane-based. Okay. Yep. All right. So 
Why did they move to that? I mean, it's more efficient. Okay. And and when it leaks out and goes in the atmosphere, it it breaks down quicker. No, just because it gets it's EPA little, thing. Okay. Yeah. Got to get rid of the hole in the ozone. Yeah, they're working on it. <laughs> That's the way it works. <laughs> All right, we're uh, we're got Joe on. Duck is not here. Uh, he is he's out right now. He'll be back in the near future. Uh, he's got uh, some things doing. He's doing some things that are uh, personal. Yeah. How's that? We yeah. we do have personal lives. I know yeah. a lot of people don't think that that's the case, but we do have personal lives. All right, we got to get our break in. Let's do that. Then we'll come back and do more uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Joe is here from Joe's Garage, a uh, course uh Bumper to Bumper Certified Service Center. There are service uh, certified service centers all over Central Arkansas. Uh, Google and find the one nearest you. But I have I've had Joe on now for eighteen years here on the Dave Ellswick Show and giving you all the kind of information you need about your car. We've got some questions that have been sent in to us. We'll get to those as well as we continue here on one zero one one FM. The answer. All right, if you just joined the show, and where have you been? Uh, Joe is here from Joe's Garage, and he's always starts at about uh, 5 or 6 after the top of the hour. So, you know, you got to be here at that time because you missed a really good, dis- you know, discussion about air conditioning in your car uh, just a, a few uh, minutes ago that uh, you probably would have learned some stuff. But we're going to move on to other things now here on the Dave Ellswick Show uh, Joe from Joe's Garage with us, a uh, bumper-to-bumper certified service center. Duck is not here with us today. He's out doing some personal business. Going to do that for a couple of weeks now. So uh, we'll see him probably the very end of July, beginning of August. Yeah. So, you know. But he'll be back. He's, he's sure. not going anywhere. And let me just tell you, if you go to Duck's Garage, just because Duck happens not to be there, Russell is. Oh, yeah. And uh, I can tell you this, that I think as I talk to uh, uh, Duck, that he's been grooming Russell for a long time to take over that business. Sure. You know, he's uh, Duck goes out and runs around and does things as as important, but Russell tells me not so much, but uh, (laughs) he's the one that's running the shop now. Yeah, (laughs) And he knows just about what his daddy knows, and if he doesn't, all he's got to do is call him. That's correct. Yeah, they, they they got a good a good a good operation there, and Russell is is a fantastic tech, and he's very smart. You know, he's a licensed electrician too, Dave. I know he's yeah. he's good. I got to call him. I got to see if my lights have come in. I'm putting the the fog lights finally in my car with All those right. LEDs, yeah. and then hooked up to my my bright lights. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a light bar on top of my car because you get out on Highway Five in mm-hmm. some areas, and when it's dark. It's dark. It's dark. Yeah. You know, so it'd be nice to turn on the, the brights, especially for Linda, because uh, she has a little problems at night seeing, mm-hmm. and uh, she'll be able to really see then. It'd yeah. be like turning on the sun for, at yeah. nighttime. Be all right with me. You know, in the last segment, we were talking about air conditioning. I, I want to yeah. tell you a story about a car we got in the shop. Today. Okay. Comes in, and it's blowing cool air, but not cold. All right. It's got a blend door in it, and the blend door is not functioning properly. Okay. Now this is a Chevrolet Camaro convertible, and we can see the actuator moving, but 
inside the heater case, we can't see that the door's moving or not. So right. we assume that the door has an issue, either it's broke or something. Well, this is about a $1,500 job to pull the dash out of the car. You have to actually take the windshield out of the car to get the, the heater case out. We get the heater case apart. You know the little clips that hold the little smell good things in your vents? Yeah. One of those broke off and went down in the vent, made its way all the way down to the bottom in the heater case and the AC where the evaporator and the heater core and the blend door. And so the little actuator moves the door with a little piece of plastic stuck in there, holds the door from closing all the way, broke the door. Oh, my gosh. This is about a fourteen or $1,500 job. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Over a little bitty air freshener clippy. And and you would think, you know, we're, we got the part saved, and we're, we're going to give it to the folks, but that's what caused this whole problem. Good So grief. if you put something in your vents or in your car to smell good, make darn sure you don't let them go inside the vent because they always end up in the bottom. And that's where the doors are that work for the mode door, the recirculate door, the blend doors. If it jams those doors up and they can't close in that little motor, these doors are made out of plastic today. So it broke the the pivot arm on that door because it couldn't move it all the way. And it was kept trying. That little motor just broke it off. So it's it's food for thought on that, Dave. And to get it out, they're going to pull your whole dash out to get to it. To get the dash out of this Camaro, you have to take the windshield out. Oh, my God. And to remove the windshield and then put uh, there's two bolts on the bracket that cover that heater case. You can see it, but you can't get it out until you take the windshield out because the bolts won't come up. They hit the glass. It requires a removal of the windshield. When we get through, then the glass company puts the windshield back in. The engineers can design a car, but yeah. they don't have to usually fix it, so they, they don't care. That's correct. <laughs> so it works. So, so it, it's just food for thought. You know, if you put air fresheners in your car, don't let anything go down the vents. All right. It can be expensive. Keep, it, expensive. keep that in mind. Yeah. All right. We've got just a few minutes here left in this segment. Let me bring a question okay. from a listener. If you can't finish answering it, we'll finish it after we come back from the break. Okay. Uh, Mark has a 2002 Toyota Corolla, a four-cylinder, 1.8-liter engine. Says, my 2002 Corolla runs great. I get great gas mileage. It's got 265,000 miles on it. But just until recently, the last couple of months, the car hitches or bucks when I'm in third, fourth, or fifth gears. It only bucks when the car lugs down in either of those gears. For instance, if I'm cruising along at fourth, 45, 50 miles per hour, slow down 30, 35, and then step on the gas to get back up to that 45, 50, the car will hitch or buck. Then I shift down into third gear, it goes fine. The same happens in the other gears mentioned above. But obviously, at either lower speeds, third gear, or higher speeds, fifth gear, I seem to think it may be a fuel system issue, but I'm not sure. Any guesses on your part? Yeah, I think it's probably it's got some engine misfires in there, to be honest with you, Dave, because if, if you lug an engine down and it's got a secondary ignition problem, you know, plug, wire, coil, something like that, it'll break down right there because it's, it's lugging the engine and you'll feel that inside the vehicle more. If you if you get the engine RPMs up, like downshift it, uh, uh-huh. assuming this is a standard because it's fifth gear. So right, if he downshifts it, the RPMs go up. You won't feel it as bad. So probably, in, and it's got two hundred and sixty five k on it. It's probably due for a set of plugs because they're a hundred k each. You know, so 
I'd be looking in that area right there. So let me just say it easily in two words. Tune up. Yeah, it'd be a start. <laughs> you know, pull a plug out, inspect it, and if the you know, electrodes wore off on it, throw All a right. set of plugs in there and start with that, you know. All right. Out of time for this segment. Stick around. We got more coming your way here at one oh one one FM, the answer. All right. We're back. We continue. We didn't go anywhere. We're just sitting here waiting for you. Glad you joined us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer. That's where you're at. Don't forget that uh, on The Answer now, there's some big shows that come on earlier in the day that you don't want to miss. If you've been wondering where Rush is, Rush is here from 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock every day, uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, here at 101.1 and following him is Hannity and then he does his three hours and then we end up with Jay Sekulow and he's on from five o'clock until 6 p.m. and uh, of course Jay his show has always been good but it's really good now I mean super good because he's a a lawyer for the president so uh, he knows a lot of stuff that other people don't know and he talks about it sometimes and you'll get some inside information that you'll not get anywhere else. So you get uh, turned on in, in the morning, 6 a.m. When I first start, you don't have to take your, your, your you know radio off this station. Just keep it right here. Yeah, We'll keep you entertained. We'll keep you informed, and uh, you'll enjoy it. Plus, you get all the greatness of Rush and, and Hannity and Sekulow and all the rest of the shows that we have here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Joe is here from Joe's Garage. He's over on Crystal Hills Road. You get off of I-40 on Crystal Hill, you'll know where he's at because he's got two big American flags in front of his business, and uh, you can't miss it. It's a uh, well-established and uh, you know mechanic uh, uh, place to go to. I've been going to Joe's now for 19 years pretty good long time yeah man. long yeah. man my beard is white now mm-hmm. it wasn't that when no. i started to come no. and i had hair yeah. <laughs> i had hair but bottom line is uh, joe is is as far as i'm concerned most knowledgeable uh technician i always want to say mechanic but you can't say that anymore because they're really technicians because they got to work with so many computers as well now yes sir that uh you know it's the only person i trust my car to Bottom line. Uh, I appreciate that, Dave, very you know, much. You can take my car in and get the oil changed here Friday. Yep. Get that done and doing some other things uh, as well with it. So uh, that we got over, th- I guess, over 300,000 miles if you count mileage on both engines. Yep. That have been in the car now. Yep. So we, we keep that uh, Acadia going. It's uh, 10 years old now, and we just keep on driving it. Uh, let's talk about Rob here. He's got a 1995 Jeep Wrangler. You know, when you say 90, 1995 now, it's like saying ancient history in cars. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it really, is. really is. Uh, this is a, a Wrangler SE four-cylinder, uh, 2.5 liter. Says he's got a cold start problem. Says uh, this started recently when th- uh, colder weather that uh, was around. Cranks normally but doesn't start. I replaced the plugs, the wires, the cap, the rotor. ECT tests in range. Seems to hold fuel pressure overnight. The check engine light does not come on and codes will not display. After sitting with the key on for several minutes, I hear clicking in the auto shutdown relay. Sometimes this goes on for minutes. Eventually, the check engine light comes on 
and the engine will start and runs just fine, getting only the meaningless codes 12 and 33. Lately, it's taking longer to start clicking, and the clicking is going on longer before the light comes on. Help. Well, there's a couple things here. First off, the 95 model is OBD1. 96 and up is OBD2. Okay, explain that people when you say that's, that it's onboard diagnostics and the amount of, of of data that you can retrieve from it and and the type of uh aldl connector uh obd1 was not that great uh, right less data and 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 actually harder to diagnose because of the the pids you would get for you know trouble codes and actual being able to look at different sensors and stuff less data more guessing yes <laughs> Now, he's got two things now. Uh, he says, he mentions in here the ASD relay. That's auto shutdown. Okay. What that relay does, Dave, let's just say you're driving your truck down the road and the engine's running, okay? And you have a crash. And the engine shuts off and quits running because of the impact. Well, you have an electric fuel pump in the tank. Right. They wanted something in there to shut that fuel pump off. So if it broke a fuel line, didn't pump all the gas out on the ground, catch on fire and burn you up. Mm-hmm. If you survive the crash, they didn't want to quick fry you. Yeah, gotcha. That makes so, sense. The ASD relay, what it does, if it doesn't see any revolutions from the engine, it turns the fuel pump off. The minute the engine dies, you're going to have about one and a half, two seconds, fuel pump's going to shut down. That's the auto shutdown relay. He says he can hear that clicking. When you turn the key on, the PCM that he's getting his data from controls that relay it's looking for center signals and then it turns and when you turn the key on you're going to have that relay come on for about three seconds and prime the fuel system up and then it'll turn off but once the engine starts cranking over it's looking for a crankshaft position center signal to tell it where top dead center is so it can fire the injectors but it also tells that asd relay the engine revolutions are moving around turn that relay back on so it turns the fuel pump back on so when he's sitting there with the key turned on and it's beep 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 beep, most likely he's got a pcm problem or possibly and these engines were notorious for having bad crankshaft position sensor if he's got one that's bad it could be intermittently putting out a signal and causing that relay to go on and off so how do you find out that a, a, a crank sensor is bad you can put a lab scope on it and you look at it waveform and, and they have a graph for it. You know, all manufacturers have a graph for what the sensor should look like when you graph it. And so if, it, if, if you're sitting there looking at cranking the motor over, and on our, on our lab scope, it'll show what the normal graph should look like and then the actual one you got. And you can determine whether or not it's bad. Okay. And you can also, you can ohm it and check it for ohms and, and see if it's within spec, if it's out of spec, or even if it's open circuit. The engine ain't going to start till it sees where the revolutions to know where top dead center is, so... He's got one or two problems, either a bad crankshaft position sensor or possibly a bad computer PCM. Okay. Yeah. Hope for him it's the uh, crank uh, sensor crank be sensor. a lot cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just trying to find a PCM. Oh, it'd be very difficult for that engine right there because they're not supported by the manufacturer anymore. And only thing you can get, you never could have, you couldn't get a new replacement. It'd always be a reman. Right. But they're so hard to find right now. And a lot of times we have to take that one and send it off and have it rebuilt and then install it. So keep that in mind. Yep. You don't think 1995 is that far ago, but 
in car years. It is. It's ancient. Yes, it is. Because the, the technology is changing so fast. And, in fact, let's talk about that because uh, Ford has come out. And I think uh, Chrysler, yeah, Fiat, Chrysler, Fiat, Fiat Dodge, which is, which are they now? The Fiat it's, is, it's, it's, it's Fiat. Okay, Fiat. Yeah, okay. But, but it's, they still call it like a truck's a Ram and, you know, a Dodge is a Dodge. And, okay. Yeah, so still here's, here's the key. The Challenger. Yeah. And uh, the uh, one of their Rams and another and one of their SUVs now mm-hmm. have engines in them that are big boys now. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, an SUV that has an engine in it that's got uh, seven hundred and eighty horses. Yeah. In fact, you can get that new Demon engine in their uh, pickup that's got eight hundred and something horses in it. It's kind mm-hmm. of interesting that we. We, we went back to little cars after the muscle cars, mm-hmm. and now we're back to everybody wants a whole lot of power again. Well, you know, the price of fuel had a lot to do with that, too, I think. Uh, you know, those, those, those engines typically, like a, a Dodge Ram 2018 or 19, I think fuel economy on them with the 5.7 in them is really – horrible especially if you put a little bit oversized tire on it and and one of my guys that works for me he's got one and his license plate reads sucks gas (laughs) (laughs) i drive a gmc four-wheel drive his is a four-wheel drive too i get about uh, i think he gets said he gets about 13 14 miles per gallon so that's incredible yeah and and I, i get about 17 16 17 depending on how you drive it and that's not too bad but you know, they have some uh, – most trucks are not going to get that much good of fuel mileage. Now, some of the Ford EcoBoost with the V6s in them, stuff like that, they'll get 21, 22. You might get more than that if you just pet it around and drive it real nice, you know. But Now, the other thing yeah. that's changing, and I'm, I'm getting a little bit excited about it because I've always said that I would be interested in an electric car – when they could get good mileage out mm-hmm. of them because when they first started it was like you know you get 180 miles mm-hmm. to a charge well that is not enough for me i want more because i want my car more than just driving back and forth to work sure well the new electric f-150 mm-hmm. to top 300 miles with ease and believe that it will offer more range than the Mustang-inspired electric SUV. Yeah. that That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's going to be huge because uh, there's a lot of positives with an electric car. One, you know, for people who are green, uh, you know, less pollution. Mm-hmm. But uh, the cool stuff about this that I really, really like is that you can go from zero to 60 in like, three seconds they accelerate really good (laughs) because the power is like that it's right there there's no power band in it it's the same all the way through yeah i'm excited about that Mm -hmm. and then secondly it's really really quiet oh yeah in fact some of them i understand pipe in road noise so that they're not completely quiet yeah i think you can you can get that through the uh sound system in there and it gives you a little sound of a motor uh you know because it's weird well you know 
even the light model cars today, the clicking when you turn your turn signal on, uh-huh. that, that flasher doesn't make that noise anymore. That comes through the, the, the sound system. I did. That's, you know, you told you, me that a few weeks ago, yeah. and I said, you got to be kidding yeah. me. No, you're yeah. used to it, Dave. Yeah. You expect it. That's correct. You know, and, and even today, a lot of cars, they're so smart that if you turn on your turn signal and leave it on for an extended period of time, and if you have the lane correction and all that, and right. it helps you keep it in the lanes, if you're not moving that steering wheel that way, it turns turn signal off for you. So you're not like John Glenn circling the earth with the left turn signal <laughs> on. <you know. laughs> A break. We'll come back. We'll finish it up for today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Joe is here from, of course, Joe's Garage, and uh, he is a bumper-to-bumper certified service center uh, practitioner. Let's put it that way. All right, we're ready to finish it up today with Joe of Joe's Garage. Again, Duck's not here, but he'll be back. Don't worry. He's, He's not gone anywhere for a long, long time or anything like that. He has some personal business. He'll be back with us. Just know you can call his garage, and Russell's there, his son. And uh, I got to tell you, it's getting to the point where not a whole lot of difference between Russell and Duck. That's true. I mean, it really is. And if there is a difference, all that Russell does is call his dad. <laughs> That's what yep. he does. That's what he does. I'm I'm taking my car over to to there they're going to put the, some more lights on my car i love the headlights that russell tracked down for me he got me those leds and i really like them now i'm going to get them for my uh, uh fog lights and also i'm going to put a light bar on the top of the car so that when i'm out in the dark i can flip on my brights and it'll turn on that light bar too and i'll have plenty of light in front of me yeah and then if you're not You'll a cop. You'll be a shining star. Yeah, I just wait to, I wait for somebody who comes over a hill and thinks that they can leave their brights on and blind me. Then I'll let the sun, you know, set, <laughs> you know, come up right in front of them as far as that's concerned. All right, I, and I was told, Russell told me, now, Dave, that's illegal to do. That's correct. With that, keep that in mind. If you're going to flash them, make sure they don't have lights on top of their car as well. For the police. Be blue lights. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's told me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't want the blue lights. I, you know, that irritates me sometimes. And, and look, I'm a huge supporter of the police, but I think they get too many lights on their cars now. I mean, when they pull somebody over, it's not so bad here in Arkansas, but in Texas, mm-hmm. they've got these like spotlights now on top of their cars, and they shine out in the front and then towards the back. You come around a curve and they're sitting there, mm-hmm. they blind you. Yeah. And that's not then that's not necessary. At least I don't think it is. But I'm not a cop yeah. walking up on a car in the dark. That's correct. As far as that's concerned, he probably thinks it's necessary. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand yeah. he wants to see what's going on inside that car. Oh, absolutely. You know, if anybody's making strange movements, to say the least. Yep. I asked Joe during the break. Uh, I wanted to him to talk a little bit about this because I was talking about you know uh, the Fiat dodge is now are putting big big engines and and they're not big in this in size no, but in horsepower, horsepower. Yeah. Uh, i mean when i used to have my charger that engine took up the whole engine compartment that mm-hmm. 440 not now all right so 800 horses in a very small package but an suv which has a a, a, a higher uh, center of gravity than what a sports car would have mm-hmm. 
Are they going to change that somehow? Or you were saying they got different things for the suspension that you don't have to worry about rollover. Well, they, they got traction control on them. It's going to it's going to be incorporated in there now. If you turn that off manually, you could probably lose control of it. But if you leave it on, it probably is not even going to spin a tire, Dave, because the minute it spins it, it's going to engage it, and it's going to take your accelerator away. So you actually have to manually turn it off. That takes all the fun out of 800 horsepower. Well, <laughs> you you got you to gotta manually turn it off so okay. you can do what you want. All right. I mean, most of those SUVs like that are going to be an all-wheel drive or a four-wheel drive vehicle. So they're going to have more weight on the bottom side of it because of the front end pulling also. Because I believe, you know, if they didn't have that, you're going to probably tear something up in the back of it. But, you know, all that suspension is beefed up for those big horsepower engines like that. And and all cars are equipped with uh, analog brakes, traction control. <clears throat> Let's just say uh, uh, if you wanted to go out in the woods in a four-wheel drive truck and lock your uh, front end in four-wheel drive and go out there and play in the mud you're going to have to turn the traction control off it's not going to let you play in the mud yeah you're going to drive in the mud not play in the mud that's know, correct unless you turn it off because once it spins a tire it's going to take over and it's going to control it say traction engage accelerator is not going to go you're not going to be able to push it to the floor and spin the tire sling the mud all over unless you push that button and manually turn it off if you're on the asphalt or something like doing a burnout or in a parking lot doing donuts you're going to have to turn it off before it's going to let you do that. So then it's back to if you if you flip it over, it's driver error. That's right. Say, you manually turned it off. So yeah, well, I can understand yeah. that, and I understand that people want a. It'll lot. be done though. Maybe they want a lot. Yeah, <laughs> people want to have some extra power, but they want all the safety conveniences as well. Yeah. I like to live on the wild side a little bit once in a while, Joe. I, I mean, you talked with me enough. You know. Oh yeah, everybody. You know. Some some folks never get over that uh, crazy way. Yeah, sixteen years old. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> when I got you my might license. grow up, but you still got a little bit of it in you. Yeah, so. I, I I live my life like George Carlin. My hair may look short on the outside, but it's still long on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> who is right. that guy in the mirror? That's right. Yeah, I don't know who that is. I don't even know the beard. I haven't grown a beard until the. 67 years old for the most part yeah. you know but and i couldn't grow my hair long like i had it in college now if i wanted to yeah i understand it'd be thin yeah i could get it long but there'd be a lot fewer of them yeah <laughs> as far as that's concerned so what are you hoping to see them to bring the cars or as far as automobiles are is there anything that you'd like to see that you think would be beneficial for the the average driver well, I like a lot of the, the, the stuff they have, you know, like uh, the restraint system, SRA system. They got the occupant sensors in the seats. They know how much you weigh. They control how fast the airbag deploys depending on the impact and uh, the weight of the person in the seat. Mm-hmm. All that stuff's neat stuff. And, you know, it, the cars are safer because of the traction controls, the analog brakes and, and the airbags and, you know, curtain airbags, side airbags. They got them all over nowadays. Yeah. So you're pretty safe in that car. Of course, you know, you can still get killed on a hard collision depending on what you hit and everything. But the fact that they're up in the speed limits on the highways because of that, I like that. You know, I'm still waiting for the uh, uh, ARC dot to 
to up the speed limits here in mm-hmm. Arkansas. That was passed in the last session. Again, I get the signs up. When they, they go get up them, there. Yeah. Well, they say they're going. I, I no, haven't no. seen any of no, them no. yet. I haven't either. We're no. supposed to go to 75 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be like Texas. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I'd like to see that myself, you know, because the fact, you know, because when I'm driving, I'm just ready to go from one place to the next. I want to get there as quick as I can. That's right. And you know, I'm just ready to go. So, And I understand flying is the fastest way, but I like to see some things when I'm driving. Sure. Yeah. You know, I maybe I want to stop and see the world's largest ball of string. Yeah. You know, it depends. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying, it's just, uh, uh, I love to drive. I, I grew up. You know, that was one of the big things when we were young. Sure. Getting your license was a a, a, a rite of passage, basically. and being able to get Yeah. And getting out. Kids today, not so much. They get a lot of their kicks out of being in front of a game system. Yeah. It's not the they're same. They're traveling. They're just doing it electronically. Yeah, it's playing not with the a same. guy another, in another state or a different yeah. country. You know, it's not so the same. It's, it's not, just, it's not the same. I agree. All right. Joe, thanks for coming by. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Give, give everybody your phone number. Uh, area code 501-753-4685. It's Joe's Garage in Crystal Hill Road, North Little Rock. All right. Best mechanic I know. I'll see you on my show at 6 a.m. in the morning.